Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along, it's the well post second test match Cricket Badger podcast for the Ashes and I'll tell you one thing, it's going to take some comeback by England to get my 2-2 in this series to be anywhere near accurate because England have been absolutely whipped in both first and second test match to join me to talk about all things the second test and beyond, I uh, welcome back Mark, Phil and Ollie. And uh, gentlemen, good to have you back with me. Um, we're all English supporters, effectively. Um, it's not been great, has it, Mark? It has not been great. No, just... on England's performance, it was yet another repetition, really, of um, the previous Test match. And I think last week, you asked me the question if England could win this Test match. I said, you know, they've got the individuals, but they won't win. And uh, they underperformed again. And... Um, it's really looking as though when people say, have you got any answers? I don't think anybody has anymore because we just don't know where, we don't know where to start with, with England at the moment. It's just, it's a car crash. And um, to get beat by 270 odd runs and make 400 for 40 wickets and then Joe Root blaming the bowlers and so forth. I just think, you know, it's a car crash and it could be 5 nil at this rate. It really could. It was interesting, Jeroot's post-match, um, Ollie. Um, I don't know if you saw his interview, but um, knowing Root, he's usually quite a placid fella. Um, he's got a, lot, a little bit of steel inside of him that kind of he keeps well hidden. Um, but he was angry after that second Test match performance. I, I took his interview as basically he was calling out the bowlers. Very rarely does he actually call out a member of his team. He likes to keep that harmony, he likes to keep any discussions behind the scenes kind of thing. But I got the impression that he'd been asking Jimmy and Stuart and, and the like to bowl the fuller length and effectively they'd pretty much said no and they'd continued to bowl shorter. So it's, it's really strange that, that he called him out for that considering as captain and he, and he said, and, and right, you know, they did bowl short, shorter length, uh, too shorter length and uh, it didn't pitch up enough, but he was helped set the fields for them. And he didn't make a change. He's in control of this and he's facilitating what, this bowling style. What he was saying was, I heard, I heard his interview on the radio afterwards, he was saying they've had discussions. He, he's been asking them to bowl fuller and apart from actually going up there and bowl it for them, they weren't doing it. It doesn't, something, I mean, you, you've hit them in, in talking about this. Something isn't right. It doesn't seem like a happy squad. And I know that a winning team is normally a happier team, but... I look at both sets of players and I look at the, the way the body language is from all sides. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like we have a plan, even though we say we plan for every eventuality. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem people are very happy. Root doesn't seem 
as happy as he you know, normally is. And, and I, I like Joe Root. I think he's a, a great guy, and I think he's. I don't think he's a particularly brilliant captain, but he's the best option we have at the moment. He's the only name on the team sheet, so we have to go with it. I mean, to be honest, Ollie, he's the only option we've got. Isn't he? <laughs> well, Mark's put his name forward. I don't know who's the captain material yet, but he's got to prove himself on the tour. He's already but, just uh, right. <laughs> yeah, I've um, just been out training. That's why I'm dressed in this. Yeah, ice bath and cool down, and then you've done yeah, that. Um, <laughs> if, if you look at the difference between all the sides and the harmonious aspects of it, I, I watched um, uh, Usman when he was um, Kawaja. Usman Kawaja was fielding. He's he's dancing and having a nice time with the fans. They're only one nil up. It's they're not as if they're three nil up and the Ashes has already won. It looks like a squad that's more content than ours. It looks fractious within the team. There's so many poor decisions and they don't know if they're coming or going and muddled. That either comes from Silverwood or Root and, and Root must be frustrated. In the form of his life, he's probably not many players ever get to this level of form or a bit, you know, of, of um, run scoring or accumulate as many as he does. And he's breaking all records for England. But the side's getting hammered day in, day out. How he calls out the bowling, well, that's a different issue because that 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 comes to a point, in fact, is that, as, as Mark said earlier, we, we, we barely scored 440 with... Um, with 20 wickets in a game you're not going to win many with that and also uh, it doesn't seem to be any change within the batting order it seems oh we didn't get enough runs we'll change a bowler that will, that will sort everything out or we'll drop Chris Wokes and we'll bring in um, Mark Wood that will help us get 400, 500 runs in, in, in an innings it, it, it is weird Ollie, isn't it every time you hear anybody talking about the team it's the bowling they talk about first yeah. where the bowling is not the issue I mean the bowling <laughs> is an issue there are problems with the bowling but it's, it's the runs, isn't it? If you score mm. 227 and then 147 in the first innings, you are behind the eight ball. You are not, you, you, as a captain, you are not leading that test match and you're not able to set the fields, you're not able to attack, you're not able to do anything from there. Phil, I mean, Ollie just mentioned Chris Silverwood, Joe Root, in terms of, obviously, they're the head honchos in that squad. I, I firmly believe, though, um, that to a degree... They have to take some responsibility, of course, because they're in charge over there. But I think Chris Silverwood has been in the Red Bull environment, or Pink Bull as it was over the last week, has been handed a gun with no bullets in it because he's basically taking... It's, it, this is an English um, county structural problem, not necessarily an Ashes series. As Ollie just said, I mean, I listened to... Um, Jonathan Agnew, six-parter on the BBC, where he talked to pretty much every single one of the 22 backroom staff that were going across to Australia, from the nutritionist to the sports scientist, the, the strength and conditioning coaches, the batting, bowling, fielding, whatever coaches. Um, it's not like ECB have not planned for this Ashes trip. It's just that there's a bit of muddled thinking actually over there in team selection to me, but it, the, the county scene isn't isn't providing Red Bull players. It's not, but we're, we're told that this is this series is four years in the planning or whatever it was. What planning had Ollie Robinson bowling off spin? What what what? what? We'll, we'll come back to that because I, I think that was that that was that wasn't good, was it? I, I, I didn't see it, but when I read it. I, I I assumed that I had either been spiked with something. Or, or uh, was desperately ill because I, I, I couldn't believe that I was actually reading that that had happened. The planning in terms of, uh, you know, the, the preparation, the you know, the lack of a practice game before we get out there, the sending the Lions home when you've got some op your only options are really sitting in that team. It, 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 it's there, there has been some planning. I mean, I've got a lot of time for Chris Silverwood, uh, but I, I do. I do feel that there is that there's been some decisions that are very, very hard to explain. Uh, I mean, let's, let's talk about the Lions, Phil, because you take over. I, I listened to um, the guy, the operations guy, of the ECB on that Jonathan Agnew thing. He was to actually talked about we're going to we're thinking coordinate, you know, coordinating the Lions with the, the full team and all this kind of stuff. Fair enough, the Lions probably aren't able to play too many games over there at the moment. There might be reasons why they thought it's better to send them home, but surely you keep maybe five or six of them back with the squad. You've got some that have gone to the big bash that are over there anyway, but mm. it doesn't make sense, does it? Surely you've got a five-test match series in COVID times. You've had a shadow squad over there and you've sent them home. It takes, it takes one person to catch it. 
and, and yeah, and luckily, and hopefully, the isolation procedures work, and you limit it. But it could be two, three, four players that suddenly drop out. Um, it would be very handy to have some lines left out there, not least because the options for coming in for some fairly desperate batting situations are pretty thin on the ground. Um, so the idea of bringing in one of the lines who hopefully got you know a bit of time in the middle, if nothing else, because um, I mean the Lions weren't playing stupendously as, as I understand. I didn't see them, but from what I've read, it wasn't fantastic. But it's it it it, it, it smacked. I, I think there was a plan, but I think that plan went out of the window as soon as the practice game went, and from then on, it has been lurching from one seemingly chaotic decision to another. The idea of not playing one or other of Broad and Anderson in the first test doesn't seem to make much sense. The idea of playing a spinner on that first pitch and not the second, uh, I mean, it, perhaps with the benefit of hindsight, it seems unbelievable. But my understanding is um, that Adelaide is, is renowned for taking a bit of spin. So they'd have been almost the better, Phil. Them. The, the first test team would have been better in the second test and vice yeah. versa almost, wouldn't it? So what, what planning is going in? I mean, would... I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can understand why Root has gone in and and, and lambasted the bowlers. Well, it's not lambasted them. Perhaps they need it. Um, has gone in and, and given the bowlers a bit because, firstly, I think that they will respond to that. I don't think the batsmen. Well, there's almost no point bollocking the batsmen because I, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's attitudinal. I, I think it is technical. Um, and you can see, I mean, we watched Burns in the second innings and, you know, it was heart in your mouth the whole time, but you could, you couldn't criticize the guy for his um, determination. He was fighting very hard, but he, 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 he was mind over matter. That wasn't it. It was. And that, to be honest, if, if that's what you've got, then I, I will take that every day of the week. I will take a defeat where you've tried your absolute utmost and, you know, you've come unstuck, but you've fought as hard as you possibly can. I don't think there's an England fan that could um, argue with that. And I think there are a few of the, of the batsmen, despite their their offerings, Joss Butler, another one in the second innings, it's a, a creditable knock, even if it doesn't, for me, paper over the cracks. But he's clearly buckled down and fought tremendously hard in that second innings. And, I, and in that position, I think that's as much as you can ask for. The reason oh. I think you know, it's worth bollocking the bowlers it, it yeah, is that. because they they're not they're more concerned about being driven than than taking wickets. The, well, they the, they bowled in Adelaide during this Test match exactly the same way they bowled in Adelaide four years ago. They've not learned anything from that. Grab your holiday season deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash badger. That's n o r d v p n dot com forward slash badger. Or use code BADGER to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan, plus a bonus gift. Take your online anonymity seriously with NordVPN. I, I get the impression that they're, they're, there's so many voices in that, that setup, and there are so many plans in that setup, that they're almost stuck to plan A, regardless of what happens. It, it seems to me, rather than it being a muddle like Phil's just described, I think they're so they're so blinkered on what they've planned to do. And it's almost like job um, people justifying their roles in that, that, you know, you, their voices need to be heard. They need to stick on that course. That now it's gone off course. They're, they're desperately trying to get back onto the plan rather than actually adapt to the situation. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, we keep going, everyone keeps talking about plans and this, that and the other. I'm not sure. They are, I'm not sure there is a plan. To be honest with you, I, I mean, there is there is a very detailed plan. It's just the is wrong it? one, isn't it? No, well, I don't know. Is that detail? Does that detail plan involve not playing Jack Leach for six Test matches in England and then playing him in the first Test match in on a green top at the Gabba? Is that the is that part of the big plan? Is it? I think going back to your question about too many voices, I think that's that's actually quite quite pertinent because. I think with Reuters, I'm not sure how strong your personality is Personality is to have that hold over the likes of Anderson and Broad, who are quite big characters in their own right. And I think one of the issues with Root is, you know, he likes to be liked by everybody, and I don't think his personality comes across enough on the field. And when we saw that in the summer, actually, the same thing happened at Lords in that test match 
that mad hour and a half where he just seemed to lose it and he couldn't control the bowlers. And as a captain, he just lost it. Um, you know, and and I think I'm not sure how strong he is as an individual on the field or off the field to be able to captain. captain I mean, I've, I've never been captained by him, but I know him when he was younger. Um, and he has got some steely grit inside of him. You don't, well, I mean, you don't get to be the top end of the, the England team without having something about you. Um, so he's not, he's not, he's not just going to roll over and have his tummy. I'm not saying he's got nothing about him, but I'm saying he's got some big personalities to manage, and I'm not sure yeah, he knows how. And to it's do not, it. it's, yeah, it's not easy. Um, and then, you know, that's, and I think, I think the other issue in terms of Root and Silverwood is, you know, we can say they've been handed a, a difficult hand and all the rest of it. But they wanted complete control over the actual team. You know, you've got somebody, Silverwood, who's been given what he wanted. They've got rid of all the checks and balances. So a bit like football managers now, they have to be accountable. And that's the model they wanted. There's no point in them saying, well, you know, it's not our fault. I've been given a bad hand and this and the other. They wanted that structure so they could control everything. And actually, since they've got that, England's test performances have gone downhill dramatically. I I want to talk about some of the players. Um, we talked a lot about Rory Burns after the first Test match. We'll give him a free pass this week. But um, Ollie Pope is somebody who I've got a lot of time for. Ollie, I think he's a he's a terrific prospect. Um, we spoke last week about how long can he be a prospect and when do you? I mean, it's his twenty fourth birthday in the next few days. Um, he just seems so muddled and so. It's like his mind's going at 100 miles an hour when he walks to the crease. He's got every shot in the book. He scored runs for Surrey for fun. He's obviously got a load of talents. He's just got to kind of manage his own game a little bit better. And I, I tweeted earlier, and I said on a podcast that I was a guest on earlier, um, if I was him, I would want to be talking to the likes of Graham Thorpe, to Jonathan Trott, to Joe Root even, um, and and say, you know, you've been successful at test level. What is your mindset when you walk to the crease? How do you cope with that? What are you thinking about? How do you tackle the first 15 minutes, the first 30 minutes, the first two hours? And how do you then grow your innings um, and, not, and not play the way I am at the moment? Um, whether they have those conversations or not, I, I don't know. But I, I, I wonder whether as a young player in that dressing room, it might be something you really want to know, but are you thinking I'm asking something really obvious here? I'm showing some weaknesses if I if I ask this question. These are people that have scored thousands of test runs. They might just laugh at me. Um, d- d- it's, it's just what I'd do, Ollie. It's just what I'd do. If I was Ollie Pope, I'd want to try and talk to a Jonathan Trot to say, how do you tackle it? Because I'm getting it wrong at the moment. If he's working with them and, and they're coaching him, what are they doing? Because he does—he he seems to be going backwards. That's the worst bit. We, you don't because it just seems to be shrouded with so much things, and he's with the England setup at the moment. You don't know who's working with what, and, and there seems to be a lot of coaches there, but not much improvement on the field. And and he is a prime talent that we—I say this as a talent—he he's played what twenty twenty-five tests now. It must be up around that mark. It's about, it's about twenty, in that, I think. Is it about twenty? Yeah. Then that that's you're then now becoming a more established player. I know he's still young, but I look at the likes of people like Root and and to lesser Mark Stokes. When they come into the team, they're at that sort of mental ability to be able to take it on. Half of the game, more than half the game, is about mental approach and how do you go about it. And if you look at Mark Ramprakash, he was an absolute fantastic technical player and wonderful to watch, but just couldn't play at the highest level. What I mean, the difference between him and Pope is Pope, instead of Mark Ramcash, who was constantly playing for his place because of the, the, the crazy setup we had in the 90s, now he's in there. He's obviously very much appreciated as part of the squad. He's a value talent that's in there. He isn't progressing. And, and, and what are we going to do with him? I, it's, I, I think it'd be, if he's not asking people for help, what are the coaches? They should be going to him and talking to him and saying, this is what you're doing wrong, or this is how we can help you. And just asking some vital questions. I, I watched... I know I talked about last week as well. Ricky Ponting did a lot of this sort of thing with Pretty um Pretty Patel. Um Pretty Sure. Yeah, Pretty Sure. Um we're sure at um Delhi. If you're watching Pretty Patel, don't let the one in the top right hand corner back in the country. <laughs> um don't let him back in. Um so um <laughs> and I think he he talked a lot with Shaw and saying, you know, it's about clarity, your mind being clear. And and you've hit the nail on the head. 
when um, Pope comes out to bat, it's either a shot of ball or something going on, or he's, he's running across the crease. It's all over the shop. It, 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 I mean, it's brilliant TV. If I wasn't an England fan, I wasn't throwing things at TV. I'd be loving it. But the fact is that he's he, at the moment he's definitely not making the most of his talent. He's no way near uh, maximising it. He isn't going anywhere. So if he's not asking people for help, why aren't they helping him? And I think that's a sad state of affairs for him, really. I mean, it's it's, a, it's one of those things, isn't it? Wake. When you're in a, a club environment or a county, even a county club where youngsters are coming through, you're, you're expecting the, the coaches in those situations to be talking about technique, to be trying to get these players better so they can actually make a profession of it and go on and be successful. There's, there's a kind of school of thought that when you get to England, the coaches are no longer there to do that and they're more of a sounding board and more of a guidance and that kind of thing. Phil, if I were, if I was going to an England team, I'd still want to be working on certain things. I guess I guess it's maybe player driven a little bit more than coach driven. It might be the player likes to do a certain thing and he, he needs a coach there to help him do that. But is it the responsibility of the coach to get in Ollie Pope's ear, or is it the responsibility of Ollie Pope to ask the coaches for guidance? Because there is a there is an element here of player responsibility and being responsible for your own game, isn't there? I, yeah, well. Each player should be taking responsibility for their own performance, uh, and that will involve where they where they need it, making use of the resources that we can offer. Uh, we as a, uh, England can offer them. So, um, yeah, with, without a shadow of a doubt, players are primarily responsible for their own performances. That said, what's going on around them can make life easier, uh, and, and we, as a, a cricketing nation can be preparing them properly for their performances. So, yes, if you're presented with what we've got at the moment, on any on any reading of that pitch, the first innings performance of pretty much everybody was unacceptable. So it needed... Um, that That's a professional responsibility thing. The, the, the fact that um, we haven't had preparation games, uh, that that's what's not helping them. I mean, it's the same reason that I think when you look at Leach's figures in the first test, you've got to step back and say, well, you've been handed uh, a really you know, a rough set of, you know, a rough hand to, 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 to play. But uh, Ollie Pope should, as far as I'm concerned, if he's not receiving the help that he, he should be getting, he should be asking for it and making sure that the management know that he um, wants it and needs it. Because otherwise... I mean, what's his average? I was just looking at his average. I think he's averaging 12 on this tour. Uh, that He must understand, and I'm just picking him out, he's not the only one. He must understand that that can't carry on. So what steps is he going to take to, um, to to remedy it? I think I might have cut out there. I, um, I, th- I think, Mark, as well, the, it's, it's a difficult situation because it's, it's not like they're all drones. They're not all, you know, cricketers and all encompassing word. They're all different individuals, aren't they? What might make Ollie Pope tick probably doesn't work for Joe Root. What makes Joe Root tick might not work for Ben Stokes, et cetera, et cetera, throughout the squad. And you've got a, a situation there that, I mean, I'm, I'm talking particularly about walking out to the middle when you're going out to bat. What makes somebody be on an even keel and be in the best position they, are, they can be to face every ball at the start of their innings? I mean, Viv Richards famously had that swagger, didn't he? Walked out there with his chest out, his medallion kind of rattling against his chest, chewing the gum. Um, that apparently was an act by Viv Richards. He wanted to impose himself on the opposition. He wanted to play that part of somebody that was really in control and was confident. Um, that works for him. Ollie, Pope's got to f- Ollie Pope and Co. We've got to find a way that works for them, haven't they? Um, well, yeah, they've got to find a way it works for them. And, I think, you know, when we talk about people like Mark Rampercrash, I mean, Ollie was right. In the 90s, it was it was a chaotic system. I think if Mark Rampercrash played now, he'd have been a very successful player. Ollie Polk and batters these days, I don't think have a huge amount of excuses because they've got central contracts. They're, they're looked after. There's more coaches for England than there are Yellowways coaches in Yorkshire. You know, they, they've got more coaches than anything. They, they, the support staff out there, it's monumental. So they can't say they haven't got enough support. They've got psychologists, they've got nutritionists, they've got Graham Thorpe who says, you know, he get tries to get him in the zone, he doesn't do too much technical coaching. They've got everything there. It's obviously got too much choice. 
So they get confused. You know, it's just about someone like Ollie Pope. He has got ability, but he looks frantic at the crease. When you see him, he's got an average of 99 for Surrey at the Oval. I've seen him get two centuries for Surrey. He bats completely differently. So what's going on? It's obviously something in his, it's a mindset of his that he needs to, I don't know, he needs to see a psychologist or whatever, but he's got to become mentally far more tougher to be able to, you know, withstand the demands of test match cricket. Would, would uh, you take him out Mark. of the firing line at the minute, Mark? Would you would you move him out of the squad, out of the team for Melbourne, or would you basically well, say to him, go out there and put it right? Well, I would if there was somebody to put in, but there is, there's no one there, is it? Because he, well, Dan, he Dan Lawrence is Dan Lawrence is waiting in the wings after a very good Lions trip to um, Australia two years ago. Yeah, but but there's Dan Lawrence, but these it's a bit unfair on that. They've played no cricket. Not played no cricket. You said today in your tweet, James Vince could come in. At least he's been playing some some cricket. I know you're a big fan of this, so you'll have him in any side. But I mean, um, you know, we, he's called James. We're in a situation where, as Phil says, we're playing all practice games. You've got all these players on the sidelines doing nothing, and then you say, "Well, okay, your reputation's better because you're out the team. You're out the team. Your reputation's being enhanced. So actually, I'm going to bring you back in the team because he's not doing well. Because while you've been out the team, your reputation's been going up, and that's what we do. And then. Bairstow comes in last summer, gets a few runs. He's out. Pope's back. Lawrence is in. He's out. I mean, it's just, I mean, in, there's no excuse for England. They've got the best setup in the world in terms of academies, central contracts, all the rest of it. And they just cannot produce um, consistency in terms of their batters. In particular, there's no excuse for him anymore. There's absolutely no excuse. And, you know, I- Pope needs to get his head sorted out and get out there and, and find a way. Otherwise, you've got to be dropped, yeah. The, re- the reason I like James Vince is he's still only 30. <coughs> so he should be in the middle of his prime years as a, as a top-quality player. He's played 13 test matches before, I think, in a couple of incarnations as a, as a test player. Um, but he hasn't played for some time. And it just struck, it struck me in his, in his second part as a test player... His final innings was 76, 78 or something like that in New Zealand. Um, and he'd been criticised all the way through for getting 15, 20, 25 and then edging to slip. And it, it just looked like he was starting to find his feet a little bit. And then they axed him and he was he was gone. Um, he's obviously far more experienced in, in the same way that um, David Milan has come back in and looked a better, um, more mature individual, I think, this second time around, Ollie. Um there's potential for James Vince to kind of follow that same path, isn't there? And just because you failed once, you might actually might be in a stronger position to come back in a second time. Yeah, it's a funny one with James Vince. He's, he's pretty divisive, isn't he? You get a lot of players like that. And he's in that time of his career. I, I would say absolute prime time to bring someone back if he's committed to it and and and, and feel and, and they want to back him. It's, it's similar. I'm just watching Mark. He's had a glass of wine and he's just... Uh, Going for a little snoop there. Yeah. I'm hoping that robe is not open. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'd I, I look back at some other players who made that, that change at 30 or a bit older and come in and had a great career. Hussey, I know they're Australian, predominantly Australian. Um, Langer and Hayden came in and they started to have their careers then. You know your own game. You're not more comfortable with it. Um, and also, you're experienced enough to, to know what to do the next time around. And sometimes when it comes to that point, you're not expecting like James Vince wouldn't be. You'd go. You'd have a bit like David Milan. You'd say, "I'm just going to enjoy it this time. I yeah. want to enjoy it as much as I can. Go in and do it, and in that relaxed nature and knowing your own game, you probably do yourself more justice." I think, Ollie, sometimes you know we talk about youngsters having no fear sometimes, but it's also massive for them because they they see that it's like when you sit your exams in it at school, you see that as being your only chance to ever do anything. You've got to pass those exams, or you're going to be cast on a rubbish heap for life. And yet, and as you get older, you realise you get second chances if you kind of, yeah. And as a player, when you get to 30, you may see it in a totally different way. You might, you, you know, you, the world looks different, doesn't it? The fact that you fail, you get out for naught in a test match, it doesn't actually really matter no. that much, does it? You know, you've got going to get another second innings or, and ultimately if you get dropped, it's not the end of the world because you've still got a family and you've got friends, you've got other things to do. Um, you're a bit more of a rounded character, I think. James Vince and, like I say, David Milan, I think they, that England could, England didn't get the best out of James Vince in the first time around because James Vince is a terrific player for me. He's got every single shot in the book. He looks absolutely immaculate at the crease and then he flashes to gully. I reckon, <laughs> I, I reckon he's he good at that. 
he could take out the flash to Gullier this time and actually be a really good test player. I I would I would think that I mean if I was coming into the England squad now, it must be horrific because they don't know if they're coming or going. And, and you, you, you would literally, this is a nicer way, I know no one would admit this, I'd just play for myself. I'd be totally selfish and do what I wanted to do because it's such a mess at the moment. That, that, <laughs> that, that, I, mean, that, that, I think players, players would think that way, not maybe subconsciously, because it's, it's, it's pretty bad in that moment. And morale must be awful, must be really low. Every player, every young player they've tried or even experienced one like Denley, they've either messed around and changed the person's game and just used them as a, a stopgap or, or, or they've been criticised them for playing their own game. And if Ollie Pope comes in and he plays Ollie Pope's way or James Vince comes in and plays what you expect from James Vince and he gets out, people criticise it. You can't win. It, it's right. so difficult. I'll tell, I'll tell you what as well. The amount of people who are suggesting that um, a Chris Wokes or a a Ben Stokes or a Johnny Bairstow or a Joss Butler should open the innings at Melbourne. This is you know, an opening batsman, Phil, in a, in, a test, in a test arena. It's a specialist position. You're taking on the best bowlers in the world against the new ball. You've got to know where your off stump is. Well, supposedly, know where your off stump is, know when, what to leave, what to play. It's a totally different role than somebody coming in at five, six, seven in the order, isn't it? You, you can't just jettison... Um, somebody up from number seven to, to open and expect them to hit the ground running. They've never done it before. No, I, I agree. But the reason people are suggesting these is because it's so desperate up top. It, it It's, I mean, but Burns fought hard in, in that second innings and is to be commended for it. But it was a horror show to watch. And, um, the idea of making him... I mean, the damage we must be doing to him. The damage we must be doing to him. Well, did you hear what that 10-year-old kid said to him um, in the Nets? No, I didn't. He said, do, do you like no, cricket? And he said, sometimes, or something like a really downcast... Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, there's, there is more to life than cricket. And at the minute, we are grinding that poor sod into the ground. I mean, it, it, I, you've got to commend him for that, not just for the guts, if not the technique, because I, that... He's obviously committed to that front foot across the line. That's That looks like a fixture because it's been so widely criticised. He must know it's still there and has decided it's either completely uncontrollable or or he's decided that's what he needs to do to to, to get himself Well, he hasn't, he hasn't got long to put it right for us. He only had four days between test matches. You, you try and ingrain that trigger movement so it becomes a natural thing. That so can't be a trigger movement, can it? To, but I mean, that's... That, that to take that away from your game in four days is, is very difficult. But, it, I mean, it came in quite quickly. I never noticed it before. Uh, and the, the thing is, is it, it's catastrophic, that, that front foot movement. I mean, if he, if he hasn't got rid of it now, he needs to go until he can put it, uh, can, can remedy it, because it's... Otherwise, we just the, the opening batting is the, is the core to what's happening, as far as I'm concerned. If there was some type of basis... And the rest were coming in with some type of foundation. I know it's awful to lump this pressure onto uh, onto someone like Hamid, who's so who's so young and inexperienced, and Burns, who's really going for a rough trot. But if that's not remedied, the ones that are coming in afterwards are starting on the back foot, and they're not good enough well, at that, the moment. David Milan is effectively opening in, on this tour. Isn't yeah, it? so is Root. They're both yeah. coming in. We're coming down regularly at twenty for two. Um, so we're we're playing we're playing with you know, seven batsmen. So the idea to coming back to your starting point, I mean, if we are just going to throw those two wickets away, which is what we are doing at the moment, um, why not gamble? I, today, I mean, if Butler stays in the team, and last week I I said I'd have folks. I got the a bit of a pantomime gasp from the uh, from my colleagues uh, uh, on the screen before me, but. If Butler's going to stay in there, there, is, there doesn't really seem to be much point to him batting at six because he's a walking wicket as well. So you might as well send him up front as a pinch hitter. And... It's holiday season, and that means there are stockings to be stuffed and elves to be cuffed. Well, today's sponsor, Manscaped, has gone global with the tools to guarantee you will score under the tree and the mistletoe. Manscaped is the leader in men's below-the-waist grooming they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my maths is correct, that's almost 8 million baubles. 
get 20% off and free shipping at manstate.com with the promo code BADGER. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Regardless of what we say, and regardless of what social media says, regardless of what anybody in the newspapers say, Josh Butler will play at Melbourne because Josh yep. Butler is basically undroppable in this side at the moment. Um, so he will turn up. And the fact that he gritted it out for 28 or something over about 10 hours um, on the final day uh, and got himself out and trod on his wicket and got himself out will be seen as him showing his character and his fortitude and what have you. But to me, I mean, we've talked about this till the cows come home. 55 test matches, two centuries. He does not know his game. He does not know his test match game. It's no coincidence that today he batted a long time because he knew that when he went to the crease, it was defend, defend, defend. He knew exactly what he was going to be asked to do. He went out. And did. It's the same as when if you told him to go out and attack, 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 he'd go out and probably play quite a good innings. Hmm. He, when he's actually asked to play a normal test match innings, he doesn't know what to attack. He doesn't know what to defend. He doesn't know what when to stick and when to twist. And that's why he's got a very inconsistent and mixed record in, in the test is it? I'm looking at his averages now. Against the Aussies, he's averaging 21. Yeah. Uh, and against everybody, all of the major nations, he is averaging not very much. Apart from Pakistan. Pa- pa- and Sri-, uh, Sri Lanka. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the Sri Lanka is averaging nearly 50, which is distorting his general average as far yeah. as I'm concerned. So yeah, He averages well against Pakistan. He averages well against Sri Lanka. That, they're where he's got his centuries. And yeah, I think the that, issue is he's a very ordinary player. He, <laughs> but he's so destructive. The, you look at him and you think, God, there's a player in there. Yeah, but there, there, there really never is, is Phil. 55 but it's, it's, I mean, it's, we've been talking about this. Right. 55 test matches. We've been saying <laughs> there is the potential for him to be the new Gilchrist. There is a potential for him to go out there and command the, the stage at number seven and take yeah. England from 200 for five to 700 for five in the space of two minutes. He never, ever does it. But if, if it's a case of not knowing his mind, and I think there might be something in that, well, that's a management issue. Just tell him what to do. Just, well, and, get, and just go not, out there. And... If, it's not, if it's not a management issue, Phil... He's 55 test matches old now. Yeah, He's a very seasoned campaigner. If he doesn't know and he's not not completely convinced what his role in that side is, he's big enough and ugly enough to walk up to Chris Silver and say, what do you actually want me to do, mate, isn't he? Yeah, no. He, like I said earlier in relation to another question, personal responsibility players need to you know stand, sort their own games out primarily. It's complicated by the wicket-keeping issue. Um, yeah, he... he He's keeping all. He's keeping for long periods of time because the bowling is reasonably ineffective. He's having to come in much earlier than he should, and then he's having to perform often in a crisis situation. So all the pressure is being heaped on him. He's clearly struggling with the the basics of his game in in, in the Red Bull game. It, everything is working against him. He's in there as a wicketkeeper. That's what he's meant to be there first and foremost. I don't think he's personally. He should be in there keeping wicket because he's, uh, yeah, I, 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 there's no way of dressing it up. I, I don't think he's a good enough keeper to be keeping internationally. So then if that adds pressure again onto his game because he's underperforming often in the light of, you know, something not going well with the gloves and then a, it's, it's added pressure into his batting game. Uh, I, I, you either manage him and you, you tell him, look, I don't care about your average anymore. Just go out there and smash it. Your job is pinch it. Just go go and do it. Because we've got no one else left, there's no one going to come in and average more than you anyway. Go in there and, and have a go. But, uh, I mean, for me, as I've said before, I would have folks in that team. Folks would be in there... He'd be in there ahead of, of, of Butler on his batting. He's certainly in there ahead of his... Uh, in terms of his keeping... And it, and it gives, which, uh, last week I was talking about giving the bowlers something to work with. You've got a keeper that is going to take 90% of the catches, um, who, who's, who you can trust standing up. Um, it's certainly going to add more for Leach. I mean, Leach, how, mu- how much more effective would Leach be knowing he's got folks behind the stumps rather than uh, rather than Joss? So, I'm, I'm with you, Phil. I, I'd, have, I've had, I'd have been focusing because the other thing is that you drop Marlis Labashain on 21, he goes on to score 103. You're already in deficit by 82 runs to your team. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, we'll, we'll come on to Mark. We'll bring Mark in on this now. 
um, I think the keeper, Mark, sets the tone in the field. England have been a shambles in the field. They've dropped catches left, right and centre. I think the keeper, he sets the benchmark for the rest of that team. If he's taking, if he's looking tidy, if he's taking his chances, and if he's that oozes around the slip cordon and around the infield and back out to the boundary, and everybody thinks, all right, we're on message now, we're going well. If you, I mean, you would have caught that catch off Labuschagne on ninety-five, Mark. Especially with the training I've been doing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The keeper does set the tone. But let's not forget, I mean, I, I do think Folks is obviously a better keeper. Folks made a couple of um, howlers when he kept in the winter in, in, against India. So they all dropped them. They all dropped them to allow, you know... That I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though, Mark. If, if, if we'd seen Josh Butler keeping on pitches three and four in India, it would have been a mess. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it might, might not have been a mess, but we know that Josh Butler's going to stay in the side because he's Joe Root's mate. And it comes back to what I said before about Joe Root's mental kind of toughness. Josh is his big mate. Long as long as Joe's there as captain, um, Josh, to all intents and purposes, unless he really bombs out, will always be picked as the vice captain. And that's it. I think we've been talking here, all four of us, and I've just been listening to it, and it just seems to me that we're all getting confused because we're all getting confused because of the up to shambles that England are in. This is a this is a country and a side that has more resources pumped into it than any country who plays world cricket. Even India don't get as many resources pumped into the international side as England does, despite the riches of India. And and we're a total shambles. You know, we're talking about putting Josh Butler as a pinch hitter. What's it come to? You know, putting him as a pinch hitter, opening the batting and you know, we're talking about, you know, after 55 tests that he needs to go and ask Chris Silverwood about how to bat in a test match. You're right, after 55 test matches, he shouldn't be doing that. He should know how to bloody bat in a test match. You know, he should know how to do that. You know, he's not a novice. You know, and we've got all these coaches, we've got Graham Falk talking about I'm in the nets and, you know, I'm not there for technical coaching, I'm there for the mental stuff. And, you know, we've got physios, we've got... The, it's just, it's all become... It's almost... Be, it's almost... You know, it's like we've got too many of those people. Actually, we need to strip it back. And, we, you know, we're all playing the importance of coaches and psychologists and this, that and the other. We just need a few of them because at the moment, we've got all these people working with them and none of them seems to be making any difference to them. Um, and they, these are the best cricketers we've got because you look outside of them, there ain't anybody banging on the door to come in, is there really? Um, so we're in a complete state. I yeah I mean I, I said earlier that if you just but because we're cricket fans and lovers we we and obviously playing international cricket is the pinnacle playing test cricket is the pinnacle you automatically have this thing at the back of your head that if you get dropped from playing in the test team that must be the end of your world that must be you condemned to the scrappy for life contracts you know they come back they're on a central but, but, no but even if it's his last yeah. test match if it's his last test match. That isn't the end of Joss Butler, is it? I mean, let's think about this. He plays in the IPL, he plays in the Big Bash League, he plays in the Caribbean Premier League, he probably gets asked to play in the Pakistan Super League. The only he reason Joss Butler is playing... He, he plays white ball cricket for England in both formats. Yeah. He's probably going to be captain He's playing it for his professional pride. He's probably he's got enough money. He doesn't yeah. need to play test cricket for the money. I mean, he's, he's, got, he's, he's, he's been talking about how he needs to spend time with his family. This is a great opportunity for him to spend a bit more time with his family and his, his young family. So it's not, but it's not the end of Josh Butler. The consolation prize is a very nice life, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely life for him. But obviously, as a thirty-one-year-old professional cricketer, he still has he still has ambitions to play red ball cricket. And from a professional point of view, it feels as though he can prove himself in that. You know. A fair play to him to want to do that. It'd be easy for him to throw in the towel, as some of them have, and said, well, okay, I'm just going to be a 2020 mercenary all around the world and earn X I think he was going to do that, Mark, and he got persuaded by Ed Smith to play test cricket, didn't he? Well, he did, yeah, he may well have done, but he, he wants to, he, he could have thrown it from the towel, he could have thrown the towel in regardless of Ed Smith, but he kept at it, you know, he's kept at it regardless of a young family, so you've got to take your... You've got to give him credit for that. He's had a good go at it and he's, he wants to prove himself. But I don't think... I mean, look, if you look at his statistics, even if you look at his overall record in first-class cricket, I think he's got seven first-class tons over his career. Seven first-class tons. He averages the same in first-class cricket 
bit like Zach Clara, Crawley, sorry, as well as in Test match cricket. He averages no different. He's never been a red ball player, ever, ever been a red ball player. Where he's, he's, tried to where he's potentially the best white ball batsman in the world, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you have to make, I think going forward, we have to recognise that, you know, in five, ten years' time, the idea we're going to have loads of multifunctional players, they're already declining. You're not going to have it. You're already moving towards specialist red, specialist white ball players. And it's going to become more pronounced as players play more franchises because they're not going to practice those red ball skills as tours get shorter, as we don't have as many practice games, etc., etc., etc. You know, we're not going to have that multifaceted player anymore. They're declining. That's it. Um, I mean, Ali, if I, if I was to offer you Josh Butler's life, he said to you, I'm going to scrap you from the test arena, but you're going to spend um, more time with your lovely young family. You're going to play franchise cricket around the world in the sunshine. And then England will come calling for you in the white ball arena as and when is required. That's not bad, is it? No. I mean, I, I take that to be honest. It's a nice nine to five, better than what I've got going at the moment. But if, for him, like Mark touched on, it's the pride because all the, all the professional players know that the pinnacle of the sport is, is to do it at test level. He would. He really he seems very keen to do that at test level. I just think he's been really fortunate to get this many opportunities. If you if you compare him to maybe Australia's version of him, Glenn Maxwell. Glenn Maxwell played four tests and he's got one ton, mm. and that was in India. And then he never picked again, not even considered. Joss Butler wouldn't get anywhere near the test team in Australia. Uh, and, and that's not you know saying that they're not super strong. It's just that they they pick a they have a better system for doing it. And it's not a, a, a clique that it's difficult to get into. They've, um, I, I think he's a really fortunate person. That The fact is that he's still in a team one because he's potentially friends with Joe Root, according to sources on here. And, um, and also the fact is we've got literally no other talent that's coming through to push well, any pressure on. I mean, Devil's Advocate questioned this because I don't totally believe it. But the, the, the kind of clique, the leadership group for England is... Joe Root, Joss Butler, Ben Stokes. That's the kind of little trio that tend to rule the roost. And then you've got Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad probably dipping in and dipping out of that. It, it, there's been often said Joss Butler kind of gets to be undroppable because he's so important in the dressing room and he keeps England on the right path. Well, England is so far off the path at the minute. Surely that excuse is gone, isn't it? Possibly. But, I mean, the difficulty is that it... it it might be that he is doing a good job behind the scenes and it could be a hell of a lot worse. I mean, it, it, if Broad and Anderson are that difficult to manage and if you, you know, the world is screaming, pitch it up, even the Australian commentators who are doing my head in at the moment, but nevertheless, <laughs> you know, they're, they're screaming, pitch it up, pitch it up. And the only people that not seem not to think that's the answer are Broad and Anderson. So if if that if that's demonstrative of the dysfunction in the team, then then Root does need someone. <laughs> Otherwise, he's completely outnumbered. Because then you're asking some of the youngsters to step up, and you know there are a lot of youngsters in that team or, or inexperienced players. I suppose Milan is the next one that needs to sort of evolve into that leadership team and and be a part of it. But remember that Stokes has been out for a long time, so it's just been Butler and Root trying yeah. to sort of uh, steer the team through this particular period. Um, and so if it needs that voice to try and control um, Anderson and Broad, uh, Alistair Cook was talking about managing um, Anderson and, and trying to persuade him. It's, it's almost like you can't tell him directly. You almost have to corral him into doing what you need him to do. Um, you know, and it's, it's been successful for Anderson. You, know, you can't, that's, been his game it's generally worked for us but at the moment we're seeing the perhaps the other side of it the rough end of it um perhaps we need someone like butler in there to um to to, to stem that tide and in terms of batting <laughs> there appear to be the worst performers in that team at the moment i mean he's it, it, he's certainly not batting that far below um he's not batting below pope in in terms of performance and Probably Burns and Hamid is is still ahead of them in terms of what he's offering to the team at the moment, in terms of uh, productiveness. So, is he the person in terms of batting that needs to be removed from this team? Batting wise, probably not. And if he is offering something that's helping Joe Root mitigate the the difficulties, then that's another argument for keeping him in there. 
I, I think, again, he benefits from the fact that who else do you bring in? I mean, for him, it's folks. But I, I, I think I could, I could see a team where folks and Butler are playing in them with folks keeping because we are... We we are oh, no, struggling. No, no, no. no, we, no. We, we're, we're, I mean, from once you, if you in theory take Pope out, and you take Burns out, and you take Hamid out, um, you've oh. got to find three more to come in. Did you say uh, you you could see a team with folks and Butler with Butler keeping? No, no, no with folks keeping. keeping. Oh, okay, that's why. That's why I went. No, 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 no. Sorry, I did. So with folks keeping because. Yeah. Uh, you, there really does seem to be a dearth. I mean, unless you are just going to chuck a youngster in as a bit of a Hail Mary and say, cool, no. My name is Jacob, and I sent the Badger a message, and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. They've got to start looking at succession planning for Rooty. I mean, yeah. if I was Rooty, I'd be thinking of, after, after this Australian trip, I'd be thinking, do I actually need this in my life? Um, because it's, you know, being captain of your country is one hell of a, an honour, but it's also one hell of a, a pressure and a, and a time-consuming role, isn't it? You know, you're never off duty as England yeah. captain. We're and banging, after, after, we're banging trouble. Five, we're banging trouble test, if that happens. Yeah, yeah. And after, after five test, test matches in Australia, um, if they carry on in this same vein... I might be getting back on the plane if I'm Joe Root and thinking somebody else can do this. Um, I was on a podcast earlier, Ollie, and they said um, ECB can't afford him to go. They'll have to make him stay and be captain. I said, well, you can't put him in a cupboard at Lords. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just keep him prisoner and just bring him out as captain. But, you know, where, where do they look for the next captain? Has there got to be some kind of succession planning? I mean, Tom Abel at Somerset, he's, he looks like a good, young, intelligent player, but you can't just throw him in as captain. Can you get him in the side and maybe get him 10 test matches before he takes on the job? Or how, how do you do this? Do you know, it's been done before. So they've done it with Graham Smith, South Africa, took it on very young and very early into his career. Not not on from a debut. And Mike Atherton had only played about 10, 15 tests when he became captain for the longest period. That, But they're, they, you know, they're rarities, aren't they? It, it's so difficult. I don't know where you go because... I look around the counties and, uh, well, predominantly Lanks, who are um, who captained by Dane Villas. I, I wouldn't see any other, other people there in the team, really, who are knocking down the door at Lanks. I don't know who are around the other leading counties, who are the English players, who are really looking that they could lead it, possibly able. Uh, James Vince is captain, but he'd have to get in the side first. Uh, he's captain of Hampshire. That, that's an option. Um, but he'd have to have someone with a long-term plan, almost like they did with the white ball, to say this somebody, is going to... So, so, sorry, Ollie. Somebody said to me the other day, oh, we should bring Ben Folks back in as keeper. He's captain, sorry. He can captain England as well. You imagine, <laughs> imagine the pressure on him if you bring him back in as captain too. Blimey. Do you see how absurd the old situation has got? Uh, you know, I just keep going back before. We've got all, these, all this infrastructure and we've got absolutely no... I mean, Root will go if we lose this series 5-0. He will go. There's no doubt about it because his cycle will be up. But there's no succession plan. There's no one to replace him. It's just like going back. It reminds me when Ollie was saying that, like going back to, remember that, uh, was it 1988 when we had four captains in one seat? You know, we plucked pl- 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 yeah. Chris Cowdery out from nowhere to yeah. captain a test match. You know, going back to that scenario. Was that, that, was that, that getting your, was Gooch getting, there was. Gower had one, didn't he? Emory Gower, took a test, didn't they? Then, then he broke his finger, Cowdery, and that was the only test match he played. We're going back to that oh, in England, that's the only test match he played. Yeah. Even though we've got central contracts and all this infrastructure, we're actually reverting back to those old days of the late 80s in the terms of... I mean, you know, who's what, what scares me, Mark, what huh? scares me, Mark, is that we'll get to a stage where Root will resign or get sacked at the end of this Ashes. They'll look around the dressing room and think, well, Stokes has got too bad a disciplinary record... Um, and we don't want to saddle the, the kind of prize all-rounder with that job. Anderson and Broad are getting too long in the tooth and might not play every game. The only person that's actually settled is Joss. Joss is going to be captain of the Test team. Uh, I mean, that wouldn't. That would not. That would not surprise me. It'd be least. crazy. It'd be crazy. But the alternatives we've got no alternatives because no one's scoring runs. Stokes, as you say, is the all-rounder. He's also had quite a lot of personal issues to start out in the last twelve months. 
giving him the captaincy at this stage is really a no, not on in my in my view. There's nobody there. Rory Burns is talking about Lee. He's, you know, he's not going to stay in this. It's a complete shambles, and it's a shambles of our own making in the sense that we've run down first-class cricket. We've got basically white, middle-class public school boys playing the game. It's not as inclusive as it should be. We've got less participation. And you reap what you sow, really, and this is what we've got. You know, we've reaped, we reap what we sow. And, you know, we've got the accumulation of years and years of neglect of the first-class game and declining participation in state schools, and I'll, club cricket, etc. I'll come back with just a slight um, argument against you. Guarantee that when Australia come to England next time, England will probably win that series. Um, Australia are having exactly the same debate in Australia. Australia are talking about the big bash using the biggest chunk of their summer and well, that Sheffield Shields getting sidelined. They may well. They may well. I mean, I think the ECB's model is as long as England win at home, and we can fill out test grounds and make money, then it doesn't matter if we lose away from home. But unfortunately, they've started losing at home as well as away from home. And that's what's exacerbated the situation. It's always difficult to win away from home, but as long as, as, long as they've got full stadiums at home and England are winning, then the ECB are generally happy because most people who go and watch test matches go once or twice to a cricket ground every year or whatever, and the grounds are full and this, and the other. So they're happy, they're making money, England are winning. Go away from home, occasional away win, great. But actually, what matters is we've got the money in the bank, we've got the white ball game going, we're making all the cash and all the revenue. But actually, while they're doing that, they're just they're just taking they're just not looking at the infrastructure of the game and how it's declining substantially. And now we you, you do you do not need to convince me of this argument, Mark. Yeah. Um, Indian B team was more competitive against Aussies than the current English team says. says says SS98. Let's finish a couple of points. Ollie Robinson's spin bowling. We, it was mentioned earlier. Um, Ollie Robinson was a spinner in his youth. It wasn't kind of like he, they just chucked him a ball and said, see if you can spin this. He, 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 he can bowl spin. He bowled spin at Yorkshire and he bowled spin in his early days at Kent. But, but he wasn't picked by, well, it wasn't picked by England to bowl spin, was he? He wasn't picked by England to tour Australia to bowl spin. It seemed so, to me on that, that, that morning, England had taken some wickets. They'd got, actually, for one session, they'd actually started well and they were, they'd got a little bit of a foothold in that session. Um, and then Ollie Robinson came on. They started just milking him around for singles. Suddenly everything relaxed a little bit and Australia were off the hook. It seemed, ben Stokes was captain at that stage, Ollie. It was ridiculous. That there was a rumour going around um, that it was to do with over rates to try and push that in to try and to make sure they could get, keep a bit of cash. That's what the, one of the rumours was. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. But also, what does it come to? I mean, fair, absolutely hats off to him. Bowling in shades and, um, and bowling offies like that. It, that's one of the, a low point for English cricket. But I think what it shows more about is, this, again, what we talked about earlier, no leadership. Uh, and there's and there's no momentum. There's none of, and you'd expect it. Even if Stokes was captain, you'd expect someone to grasp the game by the throat, and he would look to someone like that. It looks again as if Anderson or Broad didn't fancy it, even though Anderson averaged 22 with the ball in the Test match. It's a very strange uh, situation. Uh, it, it's and my my friend Brooko would ask me, and he doesn't often follow cricket, but he follow the Ashes. and say, "Oh, how are we doing? We got a chance in this." And if he saw that, he, he'd be laughing. He's like, what's going on? This is ridiculous. And um, It was embarrassing, wasn't it? You've got to be I, careful I felt... with the averages, though, haven't you? Because that, that's the problem. That's why they're bowling short. Yeah, yeah. It's to, it's to preserve their averages. So their averages are completely meaningless. Well, I often, well, I often well, think I was Stuart Broad, you know, in England as well, where Stuart Broad often bowls a, a six-over spell or something to open with a new ball. And he, he'll come off and he, you look at his stats. If you've missed the morning session, you look at his stats at lunchtime. He's got six overs, four maidens, none for, for three or something like that. And you think, oh, blimey, he must have bowled well. You, sit, you actually watch it and everything was two foot outside the off stump on a length. And he's just basically trying to tent that cover drive to maybe get an edge to slip. But generally, they're leaving it alone and they're seeing him off. Yeah, and that, his, and his stats look great. Yeah. But I think in England that happens because the, the new ball doesn't swing immediately. It has to wait. They say it has to be about 10 overs for it to start to go. There's almost too much lacquer on it. That's what they have been saying recently. And it well, goes after well, 10. Broad's bowling leg spin in the, in the third test. Broad's oh, bowling leg spin and Ollie Robinson's yes. playing as a designated spinner. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> and Ollie Robinson's, 
Ollie, Ollie Robinson's opening the innings. Ollie's going to open the innings with Chris Wokes. You've also got the plan. I'm going out there. You've forgotten the plan. When we said that Mark's in Egypt, um, listeners and watchers, um, basically he's in a very intense training camp, as you can tell from the red wine he's necking. Um, yeah. and, uh, he's basically the time, I'm out in the hills jogging and all the rest of it. Yeah, getting myself, uh, getting myself tuned up. So, so when you see that face, it's in the top right hand corner on a press conference in, uh, ahead of the MCG test, being unveiled as the new hope for English cricket. Then that is the time. That is the time to end your BT subscriptions and basically stop everything. Uh, let's let's have a very very one liner look ahead to, to the MCG. England two 0 down. Ollie, is there any any hope? Is there any hope? Any hope at all? Rain and uh, an absolute shirt front of a pitch. But even then, I don't think we'll be able to bat out more than two two and a half days, which they're bound to set us to do. Um, yeah. It's what gets you, isn't it? I'm, I'm I'm a little bit hopeful, but I'm expecting quite a heavy defeat there. Unless they, they do some changes. There's talk of Saqib Mahmood possibly coming in. I mean, but again, the bowling's not going to get us 400 runs, is it? So it'll get them you know, plenty, but not for us. So no, I think it's going to be another defeat, unfortunately. It's, looking, it's possibly one of the most depressing tours. That, that, the Saqib Mahmood news of him being um, maybe drafted in from the big bash if you're Overton or somebody else it doesn't send you a great message does it that you've been waiting there to, for your turn and they're going to ship somebody in in my view though Sack Mahmood should have been in that squad at the start so I, I totally agree with his inclusion if that is the yeah. way they go with it Phil give me some hope please um, do you know I, I think that one of the two text, test matches might be a draw uh, and that's because I'm not sure the Aussies are the brightest bunch and I say that because I was a bit surprised uh, by the fact that they didn't um, make us follow on in 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 the series, and it was the only opportunity that was left for us in that game. Bearing in mind that the the, um, the distances between us was for us to bearing in mind we'd put all our eggs in the pink ball under lights basket was to then have a little bat starting off with a new ball under the lights, and we if we'd skittled them, which you know Broad and Anderson for all their um, yeah, a bit of a bit of non-performance in this test are still top quality bowlers. It was conceivable that the Aussies could have been skittled. That was the only opportunity for us to get back in. I I, I genuinely think they just wanted day four gate receipts. Yeah, I mean, but if that's their attitude, then that type of stupidity could have let us back in. And you know, we we ended up two and a half hours short. It, it just needs two of them to have got in and hunkered down properly. Someone to have got in with Butler yeah. and. You know, had a, a really. It's like somebody said at the end, Phil. Um, I think each each of the ten partnerships needed to be another two overs longer, or something yeah. like that, and it would have nearly taken them to the end. That that would have been. So you, basically, you've given me the hope for, for maybe a draw. Ollie's yeah, given me no help whatsoever. Are that stupid again to 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 not go for the jugular? Then they deserve what they get, and Phil, hopefully I, a draw comes. I've got no hope from Ollie. Got no hope from Phil. And then I look up to my last guest and think, well, he's going to give me nothing, is he? Mark, well, any hope? Yeah, I mean, the pitch, the pictures at Melbourne recently have been flat, haven't they? They've been quite flat and quite dull cricket there. Even England, I think, you know, if Root could get a big score there, they could score runs there because it's flat. And I don't think this Australian side is the best side in the world. It's not, it's not their best side. We're not talking, you know, vintage Australia here. We're not. So I still think that Root can get runs at some point in a big hundred. So Melbourne, if it's flat, might be the best opportunity they have to get a draw at least. But I think they're going to have to play Jack Leach at Melbourne. They're going to have to play a spinner, yeah. a proper spinner at Melbourne. They've got to, given the nature of what's gone on there. I'll tell you, yeah. you, you know, you said everything's topsy-turvy, it's a shambles. comes to something when you're the only person that gives me any kind of positivity whatsoever. Well, you know, for Melbourne's flat, so we can't score runs at Melbourne, we're not going to score runs in the other two test matches coming up, are we? Melbourne is the only place. I mean, where's, where's the last two? Um, Hobart and where's it's the Sydney and Hobart. Well, Sydney and Hobart. They ain't going to score runs out if they can't score runs at Melbourne. Melbourne's going to be flat. And it might rain at Melbourne as well. So they might. that's another reason they might get a draw. Um, because it's more like kind of. So it's come to that. It's come to that. We've got Josh Butler and Chris Wokes opening, and we're doing a rain dance. Yeah, we've got central contracts. We've got all this administration, but it's back to the nineties. You might win the odd test match. You know, that's what it's got. That's what it's got back to essentially. 
Well, I'd love to say the last hour has been a joy, but it's been basically <laughs> we just we've just been dissecting England England's disasters, haven't we? It's it's not been not been the best, but hopefully, hopefully, listeners, when we come back to you in between the uh, the third and fourth test matches, we'll have something a little bit more positive to talk about, even if it's just everybody's Christmases. Mark in Egypt, Ollie and Phil in the UK, have wonderful Christmases. Um, enjoy yourselves, all three of you, and um, as everybody out there as well thanks for listening and watching as we've gone through the 2021 year and we'll come back as i say between christmas and new year with one final podcast of the year to finish off the uh, the test ashes tests of uh, 2020 what 2021 but enjoy yourselves over christmas everybody have a very good time and we'll see you again very soon indeed Grab your holiday season deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash badger. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N.com forward slash badger. Or use code badger to get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Take your online anonymity seriously with NordVPN. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.